Well, hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Church Leadership Lab, uh, where our goal is to have conversations that help empower healthy churches. Uh, my name is Scott, and I'm half of your um, hosting goodness, and Casey is the other half. Hello, Casey. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, hosting good. I didn't, I didn't quite know how to phrase that, but we'll just call I it hosting goodness. I hope I'm half of the goodness. Yeah. At least a third. You are. You are. Um, and we are, we're excited today to have uh, Jenny Katrin on the podcast. I'm going to give just kind of a quick bio for Jenny and then we'll, we'll get into it. Uh, Jenny's a uh, leadership coach and consultant. She's the author of several, several books, uh, including The Four Dimensions of Extraordinary Leadership. She's also the founder and CEO of the Foresight Group, where she consults with businesses, churches, nonprofits on leadership, organizational health. Uh, she has served in executive leadership roles uh, herself on church staff and now travels speaking on leadership, team culture, and strategy. Jenny, thanks so much. Uh, we're excited to have you on Church Leadership Lab. I am thrilled to be with you all. So thanks for the, I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, likewise, likewise. Well, we do like to start out, this is kind of the, the question we like uh, to ask because there's that, there's the public bio that everyone has that um, is going to make it on the back of the the book or the conference, you know, brochure. I don't know. Do they, they don't do conference brochures, conference websites. There that's we probably more accurate. That's, yeah. yeah. Some that's places accurate. probably do do brochures for all we know, but yeah. And they're lovely. And they're lovely. And they're lovely. Casey, thank you for looking out for everybody. I appreciate it. My pleasure. That. That's the goodness. Um, Yes. Um, <laughs> but there's always something in the bio that, that doesn't necessarily make that, but all your friends and family would know about you. So for you, what, what is that thing? Oh, this is good. I was like trying to think of like, what would be that thing? You know, when you've, when you've been speaking and writing and for so long, like so much of your world is public, but okay, here's my, here's my thing. I eat like a five-year-old, like I'm just going to, I'm like, just be really honest about like, I have the palate of a five-year-old. I eat peanut really? butter almost every day, like peanut butter almost <laughs> every day. Um, I don't like dressings and condiments and like slimy stuff. And I really love pizza. So like, I mean, my nieces and nephews, like coming to Aunt Jenny's <laughs> house is like, like everybody's joy because we're going to, we're going to eat pizza and bake chocolate chip cookies and so I really do. I eat like a five-year-old, which I feel like is really embarrassing, but is is kind of true. Mm -hmm. The whole family would would agree. I I love it. You don't even I, know what to yeah. say, Scott. You're like, what? No, no, no. <laughs> no. What I thought. So so I thought two things. One, um, yeah, my kids would be like, this is this is great. Like we're like, everything you said. But going out with her, let, yes. But two, let's be honest. <laughs> Every time I clear my kids' plates, I'm like, any extras left over for dad here? Because <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> and I think anybody who has kids, nieces, nephews, or deals mm -hmm. with just children eating meals, yeah, oh, you're yeah. always like, I'll, I'll gladly finish off the, the PB&J or the like mac and cheese for you. So For sure. Respect. Like I kind of, I look forward to my niece and nephew coming over because it's like an opportunity for me to eat the chicken nuggets and the French fries and like, because mm -hmm. why make something se se separate for myself, right? Like, yeah. so yeah, it, yep. it's mildly embarrassing. Like if I go out to a nice business dinner and I'm like, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm ordering yeah. something really simple. Like I'm just, yeah. I'm not a foodie. I am like... <laughs> I'm a kid. I would like with food. all 
With all the books that you've written, I would like to suggest a children's cookbook that is not for kids. It's for all the adults. They're like, I really kind of. But I think we should all suggest like our favorite uh, guilty pleasure kid thing that we would like to be in the children's cookbook that's really for adults. That's all right really what's yours this is Casey. like i think we just came up with a you just came up with a great idea yeah. i will i will trademark uh, jenny provide, and casey for i will provide video. content <laughs> and i will gladly uh be the taste test for all this <laughs> like i'm in man i right. this is good i love this okay i love See? it all right things I, come out of the the lab here it's fantastic yeah yeah i love it um <laughs> all right well i think we could keep talking about food but i know that people <laughs> probably didn't hit play on this to <laughs> to hear that. So, um we'll we'll jump into it. Uh I know that, you know, so we we talk to a lot of church leaders. This is what this podcast is for and I know that the past 2 years uh in church leadership have really been unprecedented, been difficult. Um and people, you know, often talk about how COVID exposed a lot of things. And yeah. so for you Jenny, as you I mean work with tons of leaders, um, both inside the church, outside the marketplace. Um, what have, what are some of the biggest leadership gaps that you've seen exposed um, from that time? Yeah. I mean, you, I think you kind of hit a little bit of what has been true for so many um, teams and leaders is like, it just the pressure of, of, the pandemic in this case, but any organization or any team under stress, it really reveals your weaknesses, right? And mm-hmm. so I think what happened for so many churches and organizations is that we really recognized, you know, just some of those those leadership gaps that, and then the ones that I particularly notice are related to staffing and team dynamics, because what we what we found with all of the upheaval of the great resignation, and then just the ability to hire and retain staff through all of this, it really exposed um, a couple of things in my mind. It exposed the need to equip our mid-level leaders better. This is one of the things that we are seeing significantly right now, because what happened is with so much shuffling, whether it was people self, um, you know, choosing to exit the organization or the organization having to make some adjustments because of, you know, different factors it kind of squeezed the staff in the middle. You either got promoted into more responsibility, which basically meant just take on more with, you know, like <laughs> less team, more responsibility, yeah, yeah. right? Um, because it was survival. So I'm not, I'm not criticizing leaders because you were making decisions about how do we, how do we keep surviving in just unknown circumstances. And so some of your best team members were just given more responsibility or thrown into bigger roles, you know, and responsibility or more staff that they were supposed to manage. So there's this really like this pressure cooker on mid-level leaders of just and having to almost buffer what the team was feeling and then what leadership is directing. And so mid-level leaders have just felt that pinch. They have felt that pressure. And I think that's become like a really glaring issue. And then kind of hand in hand with that is I think it's also revealed just the need for a true under true understanding of what healthy organizational culture is. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I talk a lot about uh, leadership and organizational culture. So all my answers will come back to that in some form or fashion. But the the recognition that for a lot of teams, when you're in a when you're in a good season, and I think, you know, by and large, the economy was strong, you know, churches 
had kind of figured out growth, like not all and not exclusively, but by and large, we had some good, we had some good, um, uh, a good understanding of how to grow our churches. And so we were, we were just kind of thriving in that. And as, as a result, when a team is winning, the culture feels good. If a team no longer feels like they're winning, all of a sudden you like you you start to second guess everything about your organizational culture and your team dynamics. And so I, what I think it's done is cause us to ask deeper questions about what really makes a healthy culture. It's because because the 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 healthiest cultures are ultimately revealed under pressure. Right. Mm, um, or yeah. the unhealth of a culture is revealed under pressure. And so those are the right. two things that we're noticing and we're responding to with the organizations that we serve is like the better equipping of those mid-level leaders who have just felt that pressure point. And then the recognition of, OK, what does great culture actually mean? And then how do we how do we invest in it? How do we build it? So those mm. are a couple of things that we're just kind of noticing and, and helping teams work through right now. What the, so the, the culture piece, I'm interested to like dive in a little bit deeper in this because mm -hmm. one of the things that I think is challenging, especially if I think of, um, a church in particular that let's say has a, has a, you know, a senior leader and a couple staff, it seems like, like if there is a culture problem there, um, understanding and recognizing that can be difficult because I think sometimes you need maybe a really strong leader who is, um, like you said, that mid-level, you know, leader who's willing to say the hard thing and to bring yeah. up, Hey, this, this is not healthy. This is not good. This is not working. Mm -hmm. Um, or you need a really self-aware leader. And mm -hmm. so how, like when there is that issue, how do you find out? I mean, that's mm -hmm. something that I think I'm really just curious to hear your thoughts on, um, you know, how do you realize you, you got a problem with the culture? Yeah, it's so tricky. I mean, you, and for the reasons you just named, Scott, it's that I, one of the things I always caution, because I work with a lot of like executive level leaders, senior leaders, senior pastors, et cetera. And the thing I always caution them is like, your culture is never as good as you think it is, right? Because mm -hmm. when we're in the most senior leadership seat, it, the air feels better here. Like I, it just does. Mm -hmm. And it, so it's, it's really critical for, you know, senior leaders to recognize part of the reason why culture feels better for you is because you hold, you hold the reins. You're able to, you're able to direct decisions and um, you know, the, the direction of the organization more so than staff members in other uh, uh, levels of the organization. And so it's really important that leaders recognize, Hey, it is actually hard for me to get a good pulse on the culture because people are going to tell me what I want to hear. They're going to have difficulty speaking up. Um, and so the more a leader is willing to have just a little bit of humble curiosity about the reality of our culture, the better it's going to ultimately serve them. So as Maxwell would say, everything rises and falls on leadership, right? Like to the degree yep. that the leader is willing to ask the questions, um, is how, you know, it is, you know, it is going to impact the honesty that they get about their culture. So you know, I've, I've had a number of, of people come to me that maybe are in somewhere in mid-level leadership and they see the culture dynamics and they've tried to raise them in one way or another. And it just kind of, it just kind of lands, falls flat. And they're, they're so frustrated because they have such a heart to help shape their culture, but their leaders just aren't listening. 
And yeah. uh, so unless the leader's willing to really listen, I think you're going to stay a little stuck. Now, my caveat to that is to that, that mid-level leader who's coming to me saying, hey, I really would love for our culture to be healthier and I'm frustrated because my leaders don't see it. My encouragement to them is do what you can for your group. Not, not trying mm -hmm. to be disrespectful or out of alignment with the senior leadership of your organization, but you can produce within the team you lead, whether it be staff or volunteers, you can model the things that you think reflect a, the, a healthy culture. Um, and so while you might not be able to help influence that up, hopefully you will over time, at least try to be um, the healthiest leader you can be and help build the best culture you can for the team that you have influence over. Um, it doesn't solve all the dynamics within the organization, but do what you can for the group that you lead. So, yeah, it, I mean, it really comes down to the leader's willingness to get honest about it. Um, and then it's a, okay, let's, let's um, get some feedback. Let's, you know, um, this is often where we get invited in to say, hey, help us get a pulse on this because they may not tell yeah. us truthfully. You know, we can do employee assessments all day long, but if the employees don't feel safe answering those questions, honestly, mm -hmm. then you still can get a, not a accurate reflection of the true culture. So it takes some digging and it takes some work and the healthier the culture is, the more honesty you'll get. The, un, the more unhealthy a culture is, the harder it is to really get good feedback about it. So it's a, like, it's a complicated, it's a complicated dynamic. I don't know. I would yeah. be curious what you guys observe in that case as well. No, I, I, this is going to be so cheesy. <laughs> I will admit that right now, as you were talking about um, not being able to feel the challenges when you're in the leadership seat, I got this really weird image of an airplane. <laughs> like you're the pilot, you've got controls on the whole thing. So to you, it's smooth sailing. You're not the one sitting back by the, um, the restrooms where <laughs> all the turbulence and all the junk and the crying baby, like you are delightfully unaware of how just, um, chaotic it is. That's really when you're good. not in that seat. So <laughs> this horrible mental image of like just in the worst possible seat on the bus or on the whatever and going, man, you don't know what it's like in my shoes. But then I, you said something that I, I kind of pictured again, like where am I on that plane or whatever? And then I do have a little tiny circle of influence, even in the junky seats. So I can't just walk up to the the cockpit and be like, I got this. Like, look how great of a pilot I am. But <laughs> I might be the pilot of like my little horrible seat section. <laughs> like, if I can boost morale or if I can share my snacks, whatever I can do in that little that. area. If if that gives me a tiny little piece of control that I don't have over the entire adventure, That's at right. least I've got that. And I think it's really hard mm. for me to lose sight of what do I have leadership over? Even if it's not um, title leadership, it may be inherited leadership or just, hey, you've been here a hot minute. So people look up to you and you don't even realize it. Yes. Um, yep. So what is my little tiny section and can I lead that really well? Even if, you know, the, pl the plane's, you know, in flames <laughs> or so it feels like. But <laughs> yeah. I, actually, I got all I these wonderful... <laughs> yeah, I love that visual. Like I might steal that. But like yeah, you it's so true. Do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it you know, what can I do in that place of influence that I have? You know, that's one of the yeah. things we talk about all the time with leaders is that leadership begins with influence. <clears throat> and influence <throat> is this understanding of where do I have where do I have that influence? It might be just because of my seat or my role. It might be because of mm -hmm. my tenure. 
um, just the connections and friendships that I have, whatever that might be. But influence by definition means the power to change or affect others. Like that is significant. I often say sacred yeah. work that we have the power to affect or change the lives of others. So those people sitting in your little junky seats at the back mm -hmm. of the airplane, how you're showing up, they're going to take their cues from you. So you can yeah. either get irritated because the leadership isn't seeing what you're experiencing, right. or you right. can choose to say, you know what, I'm going to do my best to help us put at the the best perspective we can on this and, and not, not be, you know, not be ignorant of the dynamics, but just what's the better sure. way we can look at this or how we can respond to it to help us move forward together. And, um, and that's super significant because one of the other things I think is important to know about culture is that every person on the team influences culture, right? Like mm -hmm. leaders have disproportionate influence on culture, like because of the sheer nature of their, um, their power within the organization, so to speak. But every person is shaping the culture. You've all seen it. You've felt it. Like when you have a team member who is just not aligned, doesn't value what you value, and like the the weight and the frustration that creates in an organization when you have a team member who just isn't with you, I mean, it just, it just brings the whole team down. And so right. every person is influencing shaping and shaping culture. So if we can understand that and own that and go, well, how can I positively contribute? What are we, one of my favorite questions is, what do we look like at our best, right? Mm -hmm. Like as a team, what do we look like at our best and how can I help contribute to that? Um, you know, and my influence may be smaller, it may be great, but how can I contribute to helping us be our be be the be what we look like at our best? And um, that can go a long way in helping shape a culture and in actually improve the culture that you're a part of. I love I that. I love that. I, I was thinking... I was, I was thinking about like the, 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 the things we've been talking about, even that analogy, Casey, cause like I think about the way that, so if you're a C, if you're, let's, let's like play it out. If you're a senior leader, you're flying the plane. So you have like, you have air traffic control in your ear. You got your hands on the, I don't think it's a steering wheel in an airplane, the know. throttle. Sure is, that is. What they, is that how they fly? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Whatever idea. that thing is. That I thing, picked the that, wrong analogy. That, I'm really sorry. Yeah. You're directing the plane. Like, like, so, you know, the turbulence is ahead. You actually are able to control. But I think of like the way that you feel sitting in the seat by the bathroom mm -hmm. or whatever is like, and I felt this on airplanes. I can do nothing. Like, right. no, doesn't matter how hard I try. I can do nothing in this scenario. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a good reminder for senior leaders. Like your people might be feeling some of that. They see totally. what's going on. They're feeling it. Um, and, but they have this sense of like my, what I can do is limited. And so just understanding that your leadership of them means understanding where they're at, asking those mm -hmm. questions, say, how are you, how is this feeling? How is what I'm doing? Right. How is my yes. movement of the plane feeling to those riding, uh, in the back? And I just, I just had that picture as well as you were mm -hmm. saying that. Um, cause I think yeah. that that's, that's really important. Well, and I, I think, think it of, takes a I mean, lot of empathy for yeah. sure. Yeah. And, and the, and Scott, I love what you said there so much because I'm thinking of the times, not to overuse the analogy, but the times when I've been on a plane and the 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 pilot is actually informing you ahead of time what's coming, right? To yeah. help you anticipate, hey, this is coming and how like 
how calming that is versus you just hit the turbulence with no warning and it really throws you and shocks you, right? So like the best leaders are thinking, what is my team asking? What is my team wondering? What is my team dealing with? And how can I at least address it? I might not be able to solve it. I can't solve that the turbulence is coming, but I can... I can communicate that it's coming so they understand, hey, I'm aware and it builds kind of trust that, okay, my leader's aware. They know it. They might not be able to fix it or even change it right now, but they know it. So they're addressing it. Um, There's so much that when, Casey, it's the empathy point you just made, right? Like when a leader is thinking on behalf of their team, there's so Mm. much they can do to build trust and to actually help shape the culture in a healthy way regardless of if they can actually fix the issues right now. Mm -hmm. Obviously, part of the leader's responsibility is to help navigate some of those issues. But sometimes as a leader, we don't know. I mean, I think that's what I've seen so many leaders wrestling with these past couple of years is the leader feels like they're on their heels trying to figure out Mm -hmm. what in the world is going on. I don't even know how to direct us forward. And then in the absence of even just acknowledging that, they actually create a bigger dividing chasm with the team because the team's like, why aren't they talking about this? Do they not see it? Do they not understand it? Are they not paying attention? Are they just clueless? Do they not care? Um, Do they not recognize what I'm navigating here in my seat? You know, and so again, the more a leader is just paying attention to what are the questions my team is asking um, and, and then trying to at least acknowledge those that goes so far in helping build trust and build culture in organizations. Well, Jane, that's a perfect segue. So I'm going to get off the airplane. I'm going to help <laughs> all of us get off the airplane. Not that we can't return back later, but um, I'm both thrilled and mortified that I brought us onto this airplane that none of us could escape. I loved but- it. I mean, here's the deal. You two are invited to my junkie seats in the airplane and we will always have good music. We will have plenty of snacks, kid-friendly snacks, and like it'll no matter what, we'll yes. we'll be we'll have a little party. It's fine. Um Perfect. Jenny, one of the, one of the things that I love about your your personal culture is you do such a great job with your own social media through Foresight Group and Culture Conference and I'm Scott knows this. I geek out about things that are practical. I love a good motivational quote, but I really want to go, yeah, but how? Okay, but what? And you do a really good job of talking about things, but also asking really good questions mm, and really you. kind of making it tactical. Um, so that that appeals to my uh, my side that I go, I need to know what is the recipe? I want the recipe mm-hmm. and you're really good about that. So um, you wrote recently about five questions that staff are asking and I'm going to read those and then ask you which one you think is missing most from the pastoral level. So again, the mm-hmm. questions that staff are asking, why does this matter? Where do I fit? What is expected of me? How am I doing? And do I belong? It's a lot of like personal things, um, but all of those are really, really important. What is the one, if you had to pick, that you think pastors miss the most? Yeah. Gosh. Uh, so... That's so hard to pick just one because I see so many of them. But I think that I would say the second one, where do I fit? Mm. Um, Because I feel like particularly in the church, we can have a habit of not wanting to be clear about roles and expectations and um, helping people understand their place within the work we're doing. And and again, Mm. as leaders, we can assume they get it. 
like, oh, well, you're the student pastor. Well, yes. And what exactly does that mean? And how does that fit with the big picture of what we're trying to accomplish? I'm over here doing my student pastor thing. And I'm feeling really disconnected from the bigger church ministry, you know? Um, And so that question of where do I fit, I think is such a critical one because it's, it's a very practical question of like, I just want to know where my seat is on the bus. Now we'll, we'll get on a bus instead of an airplane, right? Um, Got it. I just want to know where do I fit? Like, how do I fit in and, and beyond just like my title and my role, but then like, um, how, where do I fit as far as like my ability to speak into direction or strategy or the big picture of where we're going. And sometimes we're reluctant to do that because we don't want to disappoint people. You know, um, I, I was recently talking to somebody and they had a new team member who started and the team member, um, was frustrated that they weren't in the executive team meetings. And I'm like, well, did you clarify that they're not on the executive team? Well, I kind of thought that was obvious. I was like, well, Mm. It is obvious to you, but this individual came in with the expectation that they're going to be a part of the executive team. And then they are, they've been really frustrated and disappointed that they have not been invited in certain meetings or whatever. And it's just a clarity thing, right? It's like, I say this all the time that clarity is the chief indicator of culture, right? Like we owe our teams as much clarity as we can possibly provide. And so answering that question of where do you fit? What's your seat? It doesn't mean that that's your seat for forever or that you would never be on the executive team. It just means like right now, this is the role I need you to play. And and kind of coupled with this is every role in the organization is critical and not every one of them can be the senior pastor or not every Mm -hmm. one of them can be on the executive team. Like every function to help our church or our organization flourish is critical to achieving the mission, or we wouldn't be paying that role, or we wouldn't be, you know, putting a key volunteer into that seat, right? Like every seat is so important. And yet sometimes we're not clear enough about that seat and helping people understand where they fit so that they understand how they contribute to the picture. I, I'm, I'm a big advocate of org structures. I think every organization needs a clear organizational structure that helps everybody understand where they fit. And, um, and the reason being, you know, so that structure needs to be designed to support your strategy. Like we, you know, we have this mission and we need a strategy to accomplish the mission. Well, every, every role should be, we should see clearly how it helps us accomplish that mission and that strategy. And so then if everybody sees their fit and like, oh, here's this picture, this is the team, this is the design of the team that allows us to put feet to our mission, right? To like actually take action on this mission that we have as a church or a a ministry. Okay, now I get it. Here's my seat. Here's the, here's the, the piece I need to play to, um, to help us accomplish the mission. The clearer we are about that, it's, it actually it actually, it, it'll alleviate some questions and it helps people settle into, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and so I feel like that's what, the other ones are really critical, but I think some of those we answer better, but I think this one is often a, a big, it's a bigger question mark than leaders give it credit for most of the time. I think that, to yeah. me, that makes a lot of sense. If I know where I fit, some of those other questions automatically answer themselves better. Then yeah, if I sure. know where I fit, I know what's expected. I know I should know how I'm doing because it's I know the expectations of what I should be doing. 
do I belong? Like it did call, they all kind of go together. If that one fits in, it's like everything else can kind of at least have a path to fall in line after it. Yeah. I was going to say, that's why it's a little hard, like to, for me to like put them in order, but there is a cascading effect from it. So if we're really clear on the fit piece, then we're likely clearer on the expectations and then then hopefully we're actually having good conversations about how am I doing getting good feedback yeah. and so forth. Yeah. I, I think too, the thing that's, that sticks out to me about these questions is they, and I think this is true of a lot of the, the things that like, that we either communicate the expectation, like if we don't, and when I say we, what I, I'm saying, if you as a, as a leader do not answer those questions, it's not that they won't be answered. They'll be answered by the, by the staff person. They're going to yeah, fill in yeah, those blanks because you have, you have to have, you have to answer those. Those have right. to be answered somehow. And I think that it, it seems like that's too where the, um, where maybe the line is around leading well and leading not so well is, are you understanding this and then answering those uh, for and with people mm-hmm. or do they have to fill in those blanks? In which then you allow them to do that, you know, however they've sort of come to those conclusions. I was going to say, then they fill it in. They kind of make their own story or narrative. And then we wonder why they're not, they don't feel aligned, right? Because they're mm-hmm. trying to create significance and meaning in their work. We all want our, and, and there's a ton of research coming out, especially post pandemic, that's saying meaning and purpose matters more than ever to employees. And so when yeah. they come into your organization, they come on staff at your church, they are looking to align their personal passion and mission with the mission of the organization. So that's beautiful, especially in the church. We have a leg up on being able to help people marry their personal passion with a mission, you know, in a significant way. But then if we're not answering the question, if we're not clarifying then like more clearly their role and their responsibility and their fit inside of the organization, they're going to fill in those gaps themselves and if that's not actually aligned with what our expectations are, you get that expectation gap that creates the tension and mistrust and, you know, it just kind of spirals, um, yeah. spirals out from there. And if, if they're not, you know, some of them will just create their own storyline and fill it in. And, you know, then we kind of go, oh, wait, whoa, why did they have that expectation of what that job was? Um, mm-hmm. Or they can't quite define it. So they move on to the next one. And we're frustrated because mm-hmm. we're like, we can't keep, we can't keep team members. Well, probably because you're not providing the clarity they need to succeed. And so they're going to move on to the next opportunity that feels like it might be the thing that answers that question that helps them find meaning and belonging in their work. Um, And that's, I just feel like it's such a huge opportunity. Like that's the stuff we can do. Right. Like, so there's so much that again is often beyond our control, but this is the simple stuff that answering these questions um, allows us to connect and engage with an employees at a deeper level. Um, and I think le- ultimately leads to a better retention, you know, and stronger team. Mm. Sorry, I can, I can keep ran- like rambling on this stuff because I love it so much. <laughs> no, <y'all>. I <laughs> love this and could not agree with you more. I'm really, really bad about filling in the gaps. If it's not spoken, my brain goes 10 steps ahead. Oh, I must not be what they expected. I must not be good enough. I must not have the right skills. I'm, and I'm like 10 steps down the, the yes. self-deprivation trail just because it's yeah. a conversation that didn't take place. Where it's like, didn't. time out. Nobody said that. Good and I you. can't just yeah. say, hey, um, why wasn't I in that meeting? 
am I horrible? Do I belong in the crappy seats on the plane? Because like, (laughs) I just go there. But you're exactly right. It's just by maybe a lack of communication. I love what you said. That's something we can fix. Right. Hopefully. And we should. Um, But man, what a missed opportunity. You're absolutely right. But like, I bear responsibility to like check myself, stop answering the questions internally before just asking them out loud with my actual team. That's maybe a better place to start, not my inner dialogue. (laughs) Yeah. No, but I love that you bring that up, Casey, because I think that's what most of us do. And like (laughs) most of us are going to fill it in with a negative storyline. Oh, I'm not the expectation. And then that puts us in the defensive, right? Then we're like, then we're defensive and we're not giving our best because we're fearful of in some way we must not be doing something that we should be doing, but we don't even know what we should be doing because nobody's actually clarified it for us. Right. So I love that you shared that just personally, because I think we do, we all do a lot of that and that's, you know, and it's, that's so, and it it burns so much time and energy and keeps us from actually doing the very Mm -hmm. thing we all want to be doing. And it's either one or the other. It's either extreme self-doubt or absurd confidence where you're like, I am the best thing ever. (laughs) Or like, I'm a horrible person. How do they, how have I not been fired yet? Like there's no healthy common ground (laughs) unless we just have good healthy conversations. That should not be hard. That's so good. Well, um, one thing that, that I'd love to hear your thoughts on Jenny, having both spent time, um, in church on church staffs and then working with so many, um, what is like, when you think of a healthy church, what's one essential component that a healthy church has to have? I mean, I immediately go to a healthy team, a healthy staff team. Um, you know, so that might feel, you know, just overly simplistic based upon what I've said so far, but I really believe it. Like, I think, the so goes the leader, so goes the team, so goes the church, right? There's just a cascading effect of that. One of the encouragements that I have for senior pastors is your staff is actually your first congregation, right? And like, they're the first team that you need to lead and serve because then they are in turn leading and serving the rest, the volunteer teams and the rest of the congregation. And so often we kind of skip over that and focus on serving the congregation. And I get it. So I'm not, I'm not criticizing that because I think that's a natural kind of, you know, just way we operate inside of ministry. But I think the healthier your team is, the more you're investing in developing them. And, and, and uh, my four dimensions books talks about how as leaders, we need to lead um, relationally, spiritually, strategically, and with vision. And that if leaders can lead, can, can recognize the significance of leading from those four things, like first with my team, if I can relationally connect and invest in my team, if I'm spiritually providing direction and leadership, that's helping them stay spiritually grounded and healthy. If I'm strategically giving them the next steps, telling them where they fit, you know, and all these organizational pieces of the puzzle, and I'm keeping the vision and our mission front and center, right? Like, the more I'm equipping that team to be effective and healthy, then the more equipped they are to serve our, serve our congregation and our community well. And so I really think the healthiest churches, you see a really healthy team, not, not a perfect team, um, but a healthy team. Yeah, that's really good. Um, so we, we do this thing called the final five. I want to jump in a second, but before we do, um, I would love to hear just kind of, 
um, some of the some of the heart, some of the vision behind the Foresight Group, and mm. and um, kind of why that was started, and and sort of yeah, some of the some of the what you you hope it accomplishes that sort of yeah. thing. If you, if you yeah. would mind sharing. Yeah, thank you for that. I mean, uh, so backstory is I spent um, about ten years in the Christian music business before I went into ministry full time, and ministry was kind of an unexpected. Um, just kind of surprised that God kind of, you know, put in, put in my pathway. And, um, and I really just, I have such a heart for the health of teams and the health of leaders. And that's what I discovered is I spent about a decade in the corporate world, but in a Christian division of a corporate um, organization. And then I spent about 12 years in full-time staff ministry at a couple of very large churches. And the thread through all of them was this passion for if the leader's healthy and the team is healthy, then the ability to achieve a mission is exponential. But so often I would see a struggling leader. I would see a team that was in shambles. And yet I would see this organization, this church with such a heart and a deep conviction and so much possibility and of influence in their community, but just the inability to actually like take action on it, I think in the way that they could, if the leader and the mm. team were stronger. And so mm. foresight was really started out of just an overflow of that. I, you know, as I was in my ministry roles, I was doing a lot of writing and speaking on all things leadership. Um, and I really felt like, move, you know, launching foresight would be the opportunity for me and my team to just focus on that, focus on the health of the leader and the health of the team. And then as a byproduct, our ability to carry out the mission, um, hopefully we're, we're helping um, propel that forward in the, in the leaders we serve. So, um, so we do a lot of like one-on-one -on -one coaching for um, leaders. We do some group coaching for teams. Uh, and then we come in and we do a big diagnostic on how's your team? How's the health of your team? What's your culture look like? And how can we help you take that in a healthy and positive direction? There's no perfect team. There's no perfect culture. We're a bunch of messy humans trying to do life together yeah. and figure it yeah. out. Um, but sometimes an outside voice and perspective um, can just be a great resource in that. And so that's the thing that I think, Scott, really drives me is it is such a gift and a privilege to come alongside leaders, to be trusted, to speak into them and into their teams. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that is something I, 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 I hope I don't take for granted. I don't think I do. It's such a conviction of mine that mm -hmm. it is a gift to be able to partner with leaders in some of the most, um, some of our most tender places, the relationships of leaders and teams are so critical. And yeah. it's often the thing that we don't want to acknowledge is struggling and um, so that's where we get to come in. We get to come in and say, hey, let us be a partner and a resource to support you, um, you as a leader and you as a team. And when we get to do that, I feel like we're doing what God's called us to do. So um, there's a statistic and I'm going to butcher it because I don't have it memorized and right in front of me. But Barna did some research. Um, it was a couple of years ago now. And I think it was something like 86 percent of millennials and uh, Gen Z said that we're in a leadership crisis because there are no good leaders right now. That was the exact wording is there are no good leaders. And if our site can change that trajectory, I feel like we're doing what God's called us to do. Change yeah. that trajectory for the positive, by the way, I think that's probably assumed. <laughs> yeah. But like if that stat can be that, you know, that, of you know, people believe 86% say that, that we have amazing leaders then yeah. I feel like we would do what God's called us to do. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if it was like, hey, if we can change that stat, you know, if we can <laughs> if we can go the uh, the other way, I'd be like, I'm really confused at the conversation we just had. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. No, that's right. that's awesome. I mean, it's yeah, certainly when, something that we are, yeah, we we align with and and love seeing. I think you know, both Casey and I have experience in, in ministry and leadership and um yeah, your work is really needed. Thank you. And Jenny, yeah. you didn't mention it, so I'm going to shamelessly plug it for you. Um, you also just launched a women's leadership structure. Yes. I don't, I'm going to butcher yeah. it, so I'm not going to, but I, I love your intentionality again and like mm. your practical, tactical tools, um, the value that you've created specifically for women development and leadership. Sina yeah. has how I am one, <laughs> like a little bias, a little bias, but um, women in senior leadership that are truly, truly trained and equipped so that they can lead not just with confidence or not just to to fill a demographic checkbox, but because they were mm -hmm. truly skilled and equipped and trained yes. uh, well. And yeah. you guys train well. Mm. Thank so you for that. That's I, I love passion. what you guys do. Yeah. Thank you, Casey. Thank you. Yes. Awesome. Yes, absolutely. Well, well, let's do our final five and then we'll give uh -oh. people links and all that to because I want to make sure that people know where to get more information, connect with you and all that. But we'll jump in. We'll jump into the final five. The first one, um, one book and you have to pick one. It's hard. One that book hard. Yeah. that you'd that you'd recommend to church leaders. Yeah, I have um, several, but I would say this one, this is one I go back to over and over. And I read this when mm -hmm. I was in a really busy season as a church leader. Um, but it's Ruth Haley Barton's Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. Mm. Um, Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership by Ruth Haley Barton. What I love about it is she looks at the life of Moses and just like looks at his leadership journey and the challenges and the crucibles of ministry that he kind of found himself in. And then she just makes so much application to us in ministry today. Um, it is, it's a book I pick up almost every year and reread because it's just the richness in making you kind of just ask yourself really good questions about how's your soul as a leader, especially in ministry yeah. is like super, super powerful. That's, that's, that's been a common theme of how's your soul. <laughs> like, how's your soul? It is. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I know. Right? I have a book. To well, go and, that's good. I'm not sure. <laughs> in ministry, a lot of times you're not paying attention to it because you're so busy doing mm -hmm. ministry that you're forgetting yep to actually minister to yourself or to your team. Totally. And yeah. so, I mean, just the, like, how are you spiritually stewarding mm -hmm. yourself first? Right. Yeah. And being faithful to your relationship with God as being relationship number one. And then so good. ministry is so consuming. And so I think that's the thing where that discipline of like checking in on, okay, where am I, where am I with God is such an important piece of healthy leadership. Yeah. Jenny, what is the last thing that you read or listened to, um, whether it's podcast or music on whatever, Spotify, Apple, whatever oh. you listen to? What's, what's the, you have to be honest, no matter you how do. embarrassing. This is good. Okay. So podcast. So I, I, do, I don't listen to a lot of music. Um, weirdly enough, I was in the music business for so long, and now I don't, I don't do a lot of uh, listening. You know what? The last podcast, so I'm pulling it up right as we talk, is um, – the morning five, um, uh, Michael Ware, he has a okay. quick little, like it's a little, a little news, um, mm -hmm. podcast called the morning five. 
And I listen to it every day. And what I love is like, you know, Michael's a believer. And so he um, opens up with a reading of scripture and then he shares like the top five things that day newsworthy, you know, so it's like your little like blast of news. And then he ends with um, the Lord's prayer. And so I just love kind of that combination of scripture and a little bit of news. Um, yeah, so that's one of the awesome. podcasts I listen to every day. So it's the last one I listen to. I think we that's need cool. a little prayer to handle the news. So that, that, that's good. That, that works together. Yeah. Say, Mike, uh, Michael's got this just really calming voice that it's like, you know, like he just, he just makes you feel like the world's not about to explode, but here's what's happening, you know? And so yeah. <laughs> it might awesome. be, but you'll feel great about it. It it's might fine. be, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. then he reads the Lord's prayer and you're like, okay, this just re-anchors us okay. in, you know? Yeah, so yeah. That's awesome. Um, what is your favorite piece of technology? Oh, you guys, I'm so not a tech person. My phone. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, I think it's okay. just my phone, right? Like I, I live and That's die fair. by it. Everything's That's there. That's I'm, yep. I'm just I'm nothing not wrong with that answer. Yeah. That's that fair. is totally That's as fine. exciting as it gets. <laughs> All right. Number four, what is a quote or a piece of advice that has just absolutely stuck with you throughout the years? Mm. Yeah, this is an easy one. When I was in my early 20s, I was like first type, firstborn A-type overachiever, like, like, like not your favorite person to work with in the workplace because I just kind of bulldozed everything. And um, I had a boss <laughs> say to me, Jenny, if you want to work with people, you've got to learn to love them to lead them. Mm-hmm. And I was probably in my early 20s and I was like, love them to lead them. I need to direct them to get the crap done they need to do so we can, you know, like make things happen. <laughs> and he was like, um, you need to love them to lead them. And it's never left me. And it's probably shaped everything, every belief I have about leadership. That's really yeah. good. Yeah. All right. Last one. One thing that you'd like to communicate to our audience of church leaders. Hmm. First of all, I would say thank you for being faithful. Hmm. Ministry is super hard, particularly in the last few years when everything that we thought we knew has been disrupted. Um, So thank you for leading faithfully. Um, I think that's so critical and so key. And then I would say kind of one of my just personal mantras is lead yourself well to lead others better that Mm. you've got to be intentional in your health and development as a leader in order to have something to give to others. And so that intentionality of leading yourself well, um, being, you know, and whatever that looks like for you, for every person that's going to be different, but knowing what do I need to lead me well um, to best steward what God has entrusted and equipped me to do and to do this well for the long haul. Um, cause we need you in it. We need you in it for the long haul. We need you healthy and thriving. Um, there's an incredibly lost world that is desperate for the hope of the gospel and, um, just being faithful to that, being a faithful steward of that. It's absolutely sacred work. And so just a big thank you to all the ministry leaders for what you're doing to serve and love people. Well, mm-hmm. thank you, Jenny. That was, mm-hmm. Yeah really good. And really, um, we echo the same thing. Um, just as we're closing here, where can people find out more, um, about you, about foresight group, what you guys are doing? Uh, yeah. we'd love to our, our listeners to hear all of that. 
For sure. Well, thank you again. It's so fun. We love to connect. We have a ton of free stuff on the website. So go to getforesight.com. That's the word get, G-E-T, the number four in the word site, S-I-G-H-T, getforesight.com. Right on the front of the webpage, there is a free culture blind spot assessment. And I would encourage you, we talked a lot about culture today. Go take that assessment. It's a great way to just get a little glimpse of how are we doing? Like, you know, we, we talked... Have you taken it, Casey? Yeah. I have taken it, yes, about our or and, and even about myself, about my and I've yeah. thought about it through yeah. the lens of my home, how I lead my family, my friends. I mean, like everyone needs to take that assessment and go, oh boy, like I've got some <laughs> blind spots, I've got some yeah. weaknesses. It's not discouraging, it's it's really helpful. Oh, Such a that. great tool. Yeah. So good. Well, it's simple. It just takes a couple of minutes, but it just again, the that that humble curiosity about hmm, what might I need to pay a little bit more attention to as a leader. That's what it's designed to do. And then um, I, you can check out our blog and podcast and all those things from the website as well. And then I'm just at Jenny Katrin on all social media. And so I love to connect with people there too. Awesome. Well, make sure to uh, connect with Jenny to, um, to certainly take that culture assessment. Um, we're, we're super thankful for your time, Jenny, and really thankful for everyone listening. Uh, if this was helpful, we'd love for you to uh, leave a review, subscribe, share it with somebody uh, that this might bless. And yeah, our goal, again, is to empower healthy churches. So um, the more we can do that, the more we want to do that and take any opportunity that we can. So thank you for listening, and uh, we will see you next time. 